Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are We're doing a series that most likely is going to end next week. And for some of you, you didn't even know we're doing a series because the way that God's just done this. And we've taken some breaks in and out. But I want to kind of share with you what's happened. Um, we've been doing a, a memory tour of 10 years. And we've been just highlighting specific sermons. But it's been interesting because many of those have been scratched out. And we've added other ones that we didn't even think about just because of where God has us right now that that uh, makes sense to speak and preach with what God is doing. And today I have the, the opportunity to speak one that is very close to home, something that, that has tremendously blessed me, and it deals with being uncomfortable. Amen? And it, and it talks about being comfortable and uncomfortable. I believe when I shared this before, I, I said, I don't know how you guys pronounce it, if it's comfortable for you or comfortable, but you see, I'm from Miami, with Cuban parents, so we just say comfortable, and we don't we mispronounce stuff and we forget letters. So I'm just gonna roll with comfortable, right? How many of you say comfortable with me? How many of you say comfortable? All right. Well, it's all good. Whatever you, however you want to say it, amen, is good with me. Just don't judge me and don't look at me wrong. I can't believe he says it like that. Don't let my pronunciation rob from the word of God, and all of God's people say, amen. amen. But I asked how many of you have ever felt comfortable, uncomfortable, and I saw many hands go up. Maybe every single one of your hands went up. And if you're taking notes, I would love for you to write this down. This is pretty much my message right here. Maybe we'll just close off right when I give the title. But I will go ahead and explain it to the best that I can, and it's titled this, Being Comfortable in Uncomfortable. You might want to say, why don't you say being comfortable in discomfort? I don't want to. Being comfortable in uncomfortable. Being comfortable in uncomfortable. And that's my message today. And, and I've felt uncomfortable so many times in my life. I felt uncomfortable in so many ways in my life. I could tell you stories of when I was a child, some, some, some things that happened to me as a child. And um, very embarrassing and very uncomfortable. I would love to hear some of your embarrassing stories of of shameful things that you've done when you were little and made you turn all red and all that stuff. But I have many to share, and I'm sure you do too. But I'm talking about a different kind of uncomfortable. I'm talking about just the way that life is and the, the twists and turns of life, the ups and downs that just cause us to be uncomfortable in certain places of our lives. That's what I'm talking about, and that's what I hope to define to you today. Amen? You know, it's very easy, very easy to find ourselves, find ourselves feeling awkward, especially when things don't go as planned. It's so, so easy to feel that. When, when we get involved, for example, in a situation, and in that situation that we don't even desire to even be in, we, we feel a heavy discomfort, like, well, how did I ever get myself involved in this? Recently, I got involved in something, and um, I, I was just bothered by it. I was discomforted about it. I was just not feeling right about it, and just my whole vibe was wrong. It was, my energy was ill. I was just I was just not in a good place mentally because it bothered me that I made a bad decision in life. Ever made a bad decision in life? 
And it just bothered me because I was like, I can't believe that I haven't grown in wisdom in that area yet. And I still make the same mistakes. And I was so upset. And my wife was kind of getting bothered of how annoying I was from, from being uncomfortable in my life. And then one day we went out to eat recently. Uh, we just went out to eat with my niece for her birthday. And my mom sits in front of me. She says, just deal with it. It's over with already. God's probably going to use it for something good. Just see the positive in it. And, and I kind of got rebuked from mom. And uh, so I had no choice but to receive that and say, okay, yes. But, but I've been there even recently where I've just been so uncomfortable that even my wife is annoyed being next to me because I'm driving her nuts because of the uncomfortable feeling that I feel and the dumb mistake that I made and the decision that I made that I should have never made and I don't know why I don't learn. But at the end of it, you want to know what? My mom's advice was right and God was glorified and God did great things in the midst of the decision that I made because God I just want to break out in a song. It's holy. All right. But he's good. And some people, you know, they do well with this stuff, especially like when it comes to work and when it comes to pressure. Some people do well with working under pressure when they're pressed. How many of you do well under pressure? God bless your soul. Okay. When they're pressed. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about that. Maybe you could relate it to that. But I'm talking about a feeling, a feeling uh, Feeling pain in something or in somewhere. Feeling pain. Even if it's a mental or a physical pain, a physical mental discomfort in the midst of what you're facing or what you're involved in. You're feeling this unease, this, this awkward feeling about the whole entire situation that you're involved in. And I believe that if I were to ask how many of us would, would want to sign up and to feel constant relaxation, obviously we would all sign up and say, man, I wish my life could be. Why do you think we take vacations? If we, if we did not feel this way, we would never take vacations. But we take vacations to what? To separate ourselves from the world that we live in. We disconnect and we turn off our phones, hopefully. We go on cruises and we go to different islands and we go to different places and we disconnect and we send people to our voicemail and, and I'm just, I don't, I just want to spend time alone and I just want my mind to be free. I'm sure all of you, because you live in this city and you know what I'm talking about, you've all experienced this and you've, or you've said this, man, I just need a vacation already in my life. How many of you need a vacation right now? All right. I believe that you're going to enter into a vacation right now in, the, in a few minutes. I'm going to. Pay for your trip. It's, it's going to be very cheap, actually. And we're going to take you on a voyage and on a journey. That if you listen closely, that physical, mental torture, you're going to feel ease. And I, and, I, and I do believe that. The word uncomfortable, it's common sense. Here it is. I'm going to give you a definition. It's causing or feeling slight pain or physical discomfort. It's feeling unease. Feeling unease or awkwardness, okay? That is what uncomfortable means i'm going to read two passages from paul check this out i know you're going to be blessed by it paul says this in philippians and then i'm going to bounce to romans i'm going to read two quick verses or three verses here it is in philippians 3 10 and 11 paul says paul writes this he says i want to know christ and i want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead how many of you can say amen hey keep on saying amen when it sounds good and i want to suffer with him I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Amen. And I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death, it says. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see? I got to experience the suffering. I got to experience the dead. Because then I'm never going to fully understand what resurrection really means. 
And I believe that's what a lot of people are preaching, right? They're preaching the cross, they're preaching the cross, they're preaching the cross, we're preaching the cross, we're preaching. We're doing an excellent job in preaching the cross, but we got to also preach the grave. We got to also preach the tomb because with the, the cross led to the tomb. And, and, and we got to just spend a day just talking about the tomb and there's death and there's pain and there's agony and there's weeping and there's crying and there's a mom that lost her son and there's some best friends that lost their best friend and there's some brothers that lost a sibling. There's a painful moment in the tomb. We can't be so fixed at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, but we don't forget we had, that we forget about the place of the tomb because after the tomb comes something so powerful called the resurrection. And Paul says that if our faith was just about the cross and just about his death and there was no resurrection, then our faith would be futile, be useless, it would be wasteless. But our faith is affirmed, it is, it is stamped, and it is sealed, not just because of the cross and because of the grave, but because of the resurrection. Holy. So we have to experience and share in a death, in a suffering. He also says this in Romans 8, 17. He says... And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're, we're saying amen to all of this. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. How many of you want the glory of God? We're going to have a revival for the glory of God. We're going to believe for the glory of God. But it comes with suffering. You know? You know what I'm talking about? It comes with maybe some pain. It, it comes with some ache. It, it comes with, with some discomfort. You know, I'm, I'm wondering even to worship sometimes if it's uncomfortable for us. And it's a heavy discomfort for us. But, but there is a glory that is waiting for you in the midst of worship if you just break through the heaviness of discomfort. But are you willing to go from the cross to the grave to receive that power of resurrection. But there is a suffering. And Paul understood what it meant, what it meant to live in discomfort and finding, this is weird, man, to live in discomfort and find comfort in it. Because Paul says in many passages, I just chose two, that I want to share in his death and suffer with him. If we're children and we're sitting in high places with him, heirs of him, then we share in that glory, but we also share in his suffering. I mean, here is Paul in his writing, and, and, and he knows what it means to say, I live in discomfort, but I have found comfort in the midst of it. I found pain, but I find joy in the middle of it. The word comfortable for you, if you want to write this down, is this. It's providing, it's providing physical ease and relaxation. We're going to take a trip today. Physical ease and relaxation. But one way it's described, maybe some of you who were here for this remember this. One way it's described, it's, it's a warm quilt. When I read that, I remember I just, I just shocked and I said, oh my gosh, it's a warm quilt. The word comfort is providing physical ease and relaxation. And it's like putting on a warm quilt. It's like putting on a warm quilt. It's not like changing the temperature right now. It's like putting on a warm quilt because the temperature might not change. I'm talking spiritually. It's, it's putting on a warm quilt. That, 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 that's, that's what comfortable means there. 
And that's very interesting because here's Paul and he knew, he knew in his life where he came from, he knew what it meant to put on a warm quilt that only the Lord can give on cold days. You've ever experienced a cold day in your life? You just breathe and there's just ice coming out and you're just like, I need the sun to come and melt this coldness in our hearts. How many of you have ever been there? Cold days. And, and, and in the midst of all of those cold days, Paul understands and the, the writers of scriptures understand that, that God clothes us and puts on us in the midst of a cold day a warm quilt to cover the coldness. The situation around you may not change. Hey, God might do a miracle and just revamp the whole entire situation. But in some cases, it might not change. But I'll tell you one thing that changes, that which is upon you will change. What are you talking about? A quilt from heaven will be laid on you. A a warm quilt. What do you mean by quilt? A, A being comfortable in the midst of discomfort. That when the God of all comfort says good, Experience now this as I lead you into the uncomfortable. I I preached a while ago here a whole series on the unknown, and and this might strike a chord if you remember that series. And Joseph's life, if if we could just rewind to the book of Genesis in the 30s and in chapter 37 and so on, Joseph's life in the Bible is a very interesting one. If you've ever studied the life of Joseph, it's a life of many twists and turns, like I said, ups and downs, it's a lot. One, if, if I were to live, and I wonder if we were to live, if we would last, if we would hold and keep on to our faith. Joseph's life was a very difficult life. And I don't even know at times when I speak about Joseph, I don't even know necessarily where to start with him. And I'm going to give you a quick summary of the life of Joseph just to catch you up if you forget some things. And if you've never heard of him, just so you can know who Joseph was. I can't give you too much details. We don't have time. But Joseph is an interesting character in the Bible. He really is. He's a type of Christ that's coming in the New Testament. And he was the son of his father, Jacob, of his old age. He was, Jacob was old in age, and he gives birth to the son named Joseph. And in Genesis, we see that, that Jacob loved Joseph so much more than all his other sons. He, he loved him. There was some, a special love between Jacob, the father, and Joseph, the son. There was a special love. And we know that it's true because he made spe- special clothing for that son when the other ones did not receive it. He made a special cloth for him, and he made this tunic. It was called the tunic of many colors. Imagine all the brothers wearing bland clothes, but yet the brother comes out of his room, and he's wearing clothes with red and yellow and green, and he looks like a Skittle, and everyone is just just bland, you know? And, and, and other brothers are like, what's, what's good with this? Like, like, like he gets the clothes and that you fabricate and you make it. And I seen you every night on the rocking chair and you're sewing it. And you, here I am thinking, okay, this was for me. The, imagine the oldest son. Finally, the reward to the oldest. I'm going to get this. But instead, he, he decides to give it to, to Joseph, who, who, who's not even the youngest because Benjamin comes in the scene. But, but he made this tunic of many colors. It was a beautiful um, decorative robe. And his brothers grew throughout the years very jealous of Joseph. And they, they truly hated him. In the Bible, it says they hated him. You know you really hate someone when you plan out their murder. And they hated him. And they could not even speak, the Bible says, peaceably to him. Can you, do you know someone like that, that whenever you talk, there's no peace. It's always constant war. There's bitterness. There's hatred. There's pain. There's cursing, and you're like, all I said was good morning. All I said was hello. 
The brothers couldn't even speak peace. I mean, come on. Chances are they'll have one good day. They'll wake up and say, I feel comfortable today. I'm gonna, I feel good today. The sun land. I mean, I just feel I'm going to be nice to little Joseph today. But the Bible says they, they couldn't speak peaceably to him. And, and then he didn't make it better. He just made it worse. Because 17 years old, he's out in the field and he's feeding the flock and he's with his brothers. And, and actually his brothers are out there in the field and, and he wakes up from a dream. He's taking a nap because, you know, he's Joseph. So his brothers are in the field. They're working and Joseph is sleeping because he's the favorite. And he takes a nap and... He wakes up, he stretches, and he runs out. He goes, I got to go talk to my brothers. I just had a dream. I just had a dream. And he runs to the brothers in the field. He says, bros, I got to tell you what just happened to me. And he tells them this in Genesis 37, 6 and 7. Listen to this. He says, listen to this dream that I just had. <laughs> we were all out in the field just like today. And we were gathering bundles of wheat. And all of a sudden, my bundle stood straight up. And all of your bundles circled around mine, and they bowed down to mine. How cool was that dream? And he's, you know, he's, you know, he's rocking his tunic of many colors while he's saying the dream. <laughs> you know, they're dirty. They got dirt stains on them, and they're working on the field. And they see the little rug rat, 17 years old, running towards them. And the big brothers are looking. I'm like, what do you want? You, and who knows the cursing, and who knows the, the language that they use. And what do you want? You're so annoying. We can't stand you. What are you doing here? We're going to kill you. We're going to throw a shovel at your head. And in the midst of working and with their bland clothes and dirt and smell of the sun on them, Joseph says, I have a dream. And it's not anything like what you think, right? They tell us, fool, what is it? Oh, man, we were gathering the bundle of wheat and all of you bowed down to me. I'm better than you guys. Imagine what that does to the brothers. Not only do I hate what you're wearing, I hate what you're saying. I hate everything about you. And you'd think that he would learn his lesson from that, coming off from that, running back to his house because they're probably going to nail him and maybe even kill him right there in the field. But then just verses later in verses 9 through 11, Scripture says that his brothers continue to hate him even more now after the dream. So, so don't tell them your dreams anymore. It's not working for you. But what does he do? Let's go to verse 9. It says he had another dream. And this time he told it to his brothers again and... And he says, I dreamed another dream. You could imagine the brothers, right, huffing and puffing and just shut up. We're going to, and looking at him, clenching their fists. And look what he says. The sun and the moon, and there was 11 brothers, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Do you know what he's saying here? 11 stars, all of you bowed down to me and the sun and the moon, and so did mom and dad. Everyone bowed down to me. How cool was, this one was better than the other one because now dada, dad is going to have to say, son, Verse 10 and 11, it goes on to say, and, and, and in one phrase it says, now his brothers were, were extremely, now they were really jealous, more than they ever were before. So what happens to poor Joseph? Well, here it is, ready? His brothers plan to kill him now. Finally, it's coming to that. And as they come to kill him instead, they sell him to Midianite traders, and they, they took this beautiful robe of many colors that he had on. And what they did was they, they grabbed the father's robe and they dipped it in animal blood and they ran back home and they told their father dad I'm sorry to tell you this but our Joseph is dead and they showed him the blood and father rips his clothes and he's crying because they were gonna kill him they thought okay let's not kill him look at these guys it's like let's at least make if we kill him he's of no use let's make money off him 
and they sell him to some Midianite traders. The traders are walking by. They sell him, hey, take him as a slave. How much do you want from it? They get money for their very own blood, and their very own blood now leaves to a faraway land that he knows nothing of, and they make money off their brother, and they say, now what do we do with his shirt? I don't know. He's gone. We got to fake it now, and we got to tell dad that he's dead, and they dip it in animal blood, and they say, dad, Joseph is dead, and dad is just goes berserk. His favorite son is dead. And that's not the end of Joseph's life. It keeps going. It, it really does keep going. You would think like, man, what else? Well, these, these traders, these businessmen, they go to Egypt. And as they go to Egypt, they sell him as a slave now. He's sold for a second time. Like a piece of meat. Just, just human trafficking goes all the way back from Bible times. Human trafficking, because there's a spirit that is involved in that, amen? There's a spirit behind that. So now they, they sell Joseph now to a man named Potiphar, who's actually one of Pharaoh's main guards. And Joseph now is living in Pharaoh's house, and Potiphar's house, and this man. And now this man's wife looks at Joseph and says, my God, this young man is very good looking, and he has very good body, and I'm kind of liking him. Potiphar's old, if you knew anything about Rome in this time. I shouldn't even say that. Let's keep going. So, so what they do is they, they sell him to him and he's living in this household. And, and something crazy happens here. This woman now falls in love and says, come on, I, or in lust with him and says, come on, I want to sleep with you. I want to sleep with you. And he says, I'm not going to sleep with you. You're crazy. You are my boss's wife. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do this. And this man's wife accuses him finally of rape. Well, if you don't sleep with me, I'm going to rip off your clothes. And he starts running naked all over the place. The workers around Potiphar's house see him. And she starts to say, help, help. She has his clothes in his hand. He's running naked. It looks like rape. And she she begins to say that he sexually assaulted her, and he denies that because he denies sleeping with her. And, and, and Potiphar says, how dare you? And he's like, it's not true. And he's like, my men saw you running naked. How can it not be true? Explain that to me. He's like, she ripped my clothes off. It all seemed like a lie. So what does he do? Potiphar says, well, I don't want you in my house. Mind you, Potiphar put him in a high rank in his house that he took care of all the other slaves in the house. And he says, now I don't even trust you, so I'm going to throw you in prison. His life gets worse. You ever felt like that? Right when you think you're going to break through, your life gets worse. Right when you think you made it, your life gets worse. Right when you think you're there, it just gets worse. Right when you think you've gotten there, it just gets worse. And you come to the place and say, my God, when is it going to stop? When is the end of this book? Because I went from my father's house to my, I mean, I just said a dream. I mean, he lacked wisdom. He was young. And my brothers hated me, and they grew jealous, and they tried to kill me, and then they sold me, and then these men sold me, and now this woman accuses me of rape, and now my boss throws me into a prison, and now I'm amongst criminals, and what have I done wrong? I'm just young. I'm just innocent. I, I haven't done anything. I'm actually, I'm not even from this land. Why am I even in Egypt? Why am I even in this prison? I don't want this. It's just getting worse and worse. But in the midst of getting worse and worse, God can continue to hold them. And I, and I know that there's people in this life that you might feel like it gets worse and worse. But just because you feel like you're sinking, it doesn't necessarily mean that God doesn't have you in his hands anymore. That God is not working out a plan in it. That God is not in control of it. He, we just said in worship that he's not in his throne saying, how did I get myself in this pickle? I can't get myself out of this mess. God knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly your history. And he knows your future. 
future. And I'm telling you right now, if you are a son, if you are a daughter, there is not a hair that falls from your head that is not numbered by God. You are in his hands and he has a plan and he has a purpose. Yes, it is uncomfortable, but let me show you what it is to live in comfort in the midst of uncomfortable. Let, let me show you what it's like because I, I took this sheet, right? I took this sheet and I asked my wife, this is not a quilt, right? She said, no, quilt is like when you sew certain the fabrics together. And I said, well, we don't have a quilt. Can I use it as an example as a quilt? She said, yes, just know the church is going to know it's a, it's a sheet. It's, 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 uh, she said it in Spanish, whatever the Spanish word is for this. Sabana. It's a sabana, you know, for, for the people. And I said, well, today I'm going to use it as a, a quilt, a warm quilt. And, 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 and I want to use this as an example because here's Joseph's life. And, and, and my goodness, the whole time you're going to see God has a plan for him. But as far as I see the life of Joseph and read the life of Joseph, all I see is negative outcome. There is some positive, but yet some more negative outcome after some more negative outcome after some more negative. There might be a positive thrown in there, but then it's drowned by three negatives. Come on, three negatives and one positive lifestyles in here. Talk about pain and discomfort and unease and awkwardness. Talk about uncomfortable discomfort. I mean, this is a true story. This is not like, oh, guys, I'm going to tell you a story one. I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you a true story. I'm telling you something that happened and is still happening amongst believers today. His story <clears throat> doesn't even end in prison. He, he, he's there and, and he might as well let God use him in prison. Can I talk to you for a moment? You might as well let God use you in prison. But I'm in prison, but God could use you in prison. But I'm in chains. Well, speak to those chains. Prophesy to those chains. Convert those chains. Those chains need to be converted so they could open so you could get out. So just, just minister in your prison and in your chains. So, so Joseph's in prison, and he's walking around, and he hears two of Pharaoh's old men speaking, and they're in prison as well. For their unloyalty, most likely, and not only that, but Pharaoh was a little bit of a nut. And 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 as they're speaking, like I wish someone could interpret these dreams. And Joseph's like, I, I think I know what you're dreaming. Like, well, who are you, man? Well, I'm Joseph. I'm the favorite son of Jacob. And um, I got here because I don't know. I told a couple guys my dream, my brothers, and I ended up here. It's a long story, but I could tell you your dreams. And he begins to interpret dreams in prison. Well, the Lord is teaching you this through that dream, teaching you this through that dream, teaching you this. So, so then it was, com it, was, it was once a year, one of these, pr these prisoners would be out and people would judge and say, which one do you want to be let go of? And, and one of them is free, the other one is killed. And, and as he's serving Pharaoh one day, this, this man whose dream was interpreted one day, and he serves in Pharaoh's court, and he's serving everyone their drinks and stuff like that. And Pharaoh one day in the midst of the dinner table, I'm just giving you a summary, he starts to say, I'm having this crazy dream every single night and I can't figure it out. I need someone to interpret my dream. So... I'm giving you a quick little update and a summary of a lot, that, that a lot of details that go on. Well, eventually, the right person's ears heard and says, I know someone in prison. His name is Joseph. I think he could interpret your dream. So Pharaoh says, go get Joseph out of prison. I want him to come and talk to me. And Pharaoh says to Joseph, hey, this is the dream I'm having. I need your advice. I need you to tell me what God tells you about my dreams. And Joseph says, tell me, Pharaoh, tell me what you're dreaming. And he tells him everything. He says, this is what's going to happen to you. Ready? There's going to be seven years, seven years. 
And in those seven years, you're going to experience famine. Your, your fatted calf is going to become skinny. I'm talking about all your grain is going to be, I mean, this land is going to suffer for seven years. And it's going to be really bad. So what you're going to do is you need to go ahead and you need to receive all the goods of the land now and store them up in storehouses. Store, 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 store. So that the land could feed off Egypt and Egypt could be a rich place of blessing. This is Joseph. So all the other nations could come to Egypt and receive from us. So store because those seven years are coming. And then after those seven years, there's going to be seven years of plentiful. But I'm warning you, it's going to be bad for seven years. So he tells this dream to Joseph, um, to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh finds favor in him, and Pharaoh is amazed, and he becomes the second in command. He says, I want you to become the prime minister of Egypt. So good. He gives him charge over all of Egypt and over this, head this movement of storage of all the food and save Egypt and all the land. But, but here's what's amazing. His... The, the famine hits and now these, remember the brothers that hated him and sold them? They're hungry. They're starving. Don't forget about them. They need to eat. So where are they going to get food? Well, they find out, word of mouth, that the only place that still has food today is none other than Egypt. So they take a nice journey to Egypt. And after many encounters, they can't recognize Joseph because he looks like an Egyptian. He has his makeup on. He has a shaved head. He's probably wearing the Egyptian garments. And they don't recognize Joseph. But on one of their last trips, Jacob takes off his, some sort of headgear and wipes off his makeup. Joseph, and he looks at his brothers and he says, bros, it's me. It's been me the whole time who's been helping you take food back to dad and back to our brother. It's amazing because after these few encounters, his brothers, there was famine, there was a report, and everyone had to, had to go to Egypt for food. And now he's revealing to his brothers, it's me. And here is, I would say, the meat of my message as we go on from here. Turn to Genesis uh, verse of chapter 45, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. Genesis 45. When you're there, give me an amen in Genesis 45, verses 5. Put your eyes on verse 5. Follow with me here. He says this to his brothers as he reveals to them that he is Joseph. He says, but don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. Look what he tells them. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There has been a famine in the land now for two years. And the famine will continue for, for five more, seven in, in total. Neither plowing nor harvesting. Look what he says next. Ready? Number one, God was behind it. Look at the next thing. God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. So you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but it was God. He set me in place as a father to Pharaoh. Can you believe that? I counsel Pharaoh. Pharaoh looks for my advice in this land. His judgments are my judgments. His commands are, what do you think, Joseph? What should we do? And I'm really the one that's ruling this land. You think it was you. It wasn't you who sent me here. It was God who sent me here. He sent me in place as a father. He put me in charge of all the personal affairs. And he made me ruler of all of Egypt. 
When, when you look at this, we need to understand that, that God is working and he could still work in this manner that he worked in Joseph's life. Listen to this. Because here's Joseph in a place of being uncomfortable. And here we are many times in places of being filled with discomfort and uncomfortable. And maybe you're there right now. But man, you can't see God in all of this or even in just a piece of it or some of it or, or all of it. And you've asked him, I can't no more. I can't deal with this no more. I can't carry this no more. It's discomfort. It's physical. It's mental in my life. It's painful in my life. How, God, can I continue to serve you? How will you use me in such a place like this? I feel as I pray that you're not there. And the Lord looks at a Joseph just like he looks at you and says, wait a minute. I've always been there. In the midst of your discomfort, I've always been there. I've shown favor over your life. And you found strength to go on one more day. Faith for one more day. And he says this, in your midst of being uncomfortable and discomfort, I've given you what is called comfortable. And he, he, it's almost like he says to you today, what you don't understand is, because it's, it's kind of warm in here today, but, 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 but when, when it's cold in life, when it's cold in life, in the midst of your coldness and in the midst of you freezing, in the, in the midst of things seeming dead in your life, in the midst of pain, I clothe you with something that, that, not, that doesn't just warm the situation around you, but it warms the soul inside of you. Mm. Because I believe there's, there's some of us that today need to be dressed with this. And, 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 and I'm not trying to, to um, use your situation to manipulate your feelings. Because I want to make sure I tell you this, that some of your situations might not change. But I will tell you that what God really wants is for you to change. And that is what I could tell you boldly. Because, because you see, he might not put the blanket or the warm quilt on that which has hurt you. But he might just put the warm quilt in that which is inside of you that continues to hurt you. What, he, what, what I mean is, he's trying to tell you that, that in the midst of your discomfort, I'm going to let you find a place and a moment that you can live in forever that you'll be able to find comfortable in whatever you face. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, they could hate you and they could fake your death. Yeah, they could throw you into a prison. They could accuse you of rape. Forgot that one. No one could believe you. I mean, you really haven't done anything wrong for some of you, I feel. And you're feeling all these things, but in the midst of it, I'm going to give you a warm quilt and show you that in the pain of it all, I've never left you. I've always been there. I provide ease. I provide relaxation. I provide a warm quilt on a cold night. How many of you can say amen to that? So, So like Joseph, God's behind it. So, so like Joseph, maybe he sent you through, through it to just like what he says, ready? To save lives, to touch souls. That in someone else's famine, God will use you for what? To deliver them. How about the greatest pain in your life might be to deliver someone else's from their greatest pain? And you might be saying, why God, why me, why now? And God says, hold on to the comfort quilt because I'm going to show you someone later on 
that you're going to take that off and you're going to put it right on them and you're going to free them and deliver them from their pain. Like Joseph, God is behind it. Some of us will, will never understand this, that, that our greatest discomfort can actually be someone's greatest work of salvation. Our greatest discomfort could be someone else's deliverance, someone else's blessing, someone's warm quilt on their cold day. It's not the end, but just like Joseph said, God is behind it. And you might feel awkward, and you might feel discomfort, and you might feel pain, but you put on the warm quilt because God is behind it. And I know what it's like that others, doing life with others that are filled with pain, that are filled with discomfort, that are filled with hurt, and I know what it is in my very own life to be changed, to be delivered, to be saved, to have a whole mindset transformed because of someone else's tears. And all it is is they've given me something to wear, and they said, this is my struggle, and they've placed a warm quilt on me, and I've been freed from that. Joseph is, is at a place where he's now saving, and he's delivering, and he's blessing, and he's easing his brothers in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their discomfort. He, he finds a warm quilt on a cold day, and, and, and you look at this story, and, and, and here, is, here is this uncomfortable situation, and Joseph confesses this. It wasn't you to his brothers. It wasn't you who sent me here, but it was God. And God is behind it. And he sent me here to save lives. And there's been a famine. But look what he says here. I'm going back to the text. And God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure that there was a remnant in the land to save you. Finding comfort in discomfort. That, that life is not promised warm days and they may remain cold, they may remain bitter, but, but what we need is just a warmer quilt. In reality, all we need is a warm quilt in the midst of what's going on. Lord, all I need is your presence as we've been speaking here to fill me. Oh, I remember one time I preached this and I went to my Instagram page and I'll, I'll be transparent with you guys. And I praise God that my marriage is, is better today than it was yesterday. Amen. I praise God that, that God is good and there's good days and there's definitely bad days. And, and one day I showed, up my, I showed my Instagram page on, in church and, and I said, look at these pictures on my Instagram page. And I showed pictures of me and my wife hugging, celebrating a concert or something like that. I showed me and my son and my son doing something funny probably. At that time I didn't have a daughter so I didn't really show any pictures of my daughter. I showed my life. I probably showed me preaching and people with their hands up and all these different pictures I put up. And I said, man, that life looks like he has it all together, doesn't it? And that's what we do. We show the world what we want them to see in us. But what we show the world, for many of us, it's not who we really are. You remember a couple weeks ago or a month ago, I preached masks off. And we put on an awesome facade this is me and my beautiful family. But in that picture, what you don't know is maybe it's, maybe it's been two weeks since me and my wife have had an intimate conversation. Maybe it's been weeks since me and her haven't had an intimate moment. But in that picture, it sure looks like we're in love. Come on. We have some people that put some fake post up and you know very well that that's not who you really are. I just want people to know this. And I shared something so powerful that day that my sisters told me one day. And it's some of us, we paint a picture of it's a beautiful life. When in reality, if we could be truthful, 
to some of us, it's been a brutal for life. Yeah. But we're in a time of thanksgiving today. And Thursday we get together, and uh, I hope you can find a moment to be thankful, not just on Thursday, but every day. But I'm at a place where I can be thankful to the Lord. That I don't even care anymore about my Instagram page and what feed I put up. You guys are with me? I could care less of the, the fakeness of my life. I could care less. It hasn't gotten me anywhere. If I'm struggling, I'm struggling. If I'm good, I'm good. If I'm with God, I'm with God. If I'm backing away, um, there is nothing to hide. And, 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 and I'm just at a point where, like, I don't even care. Lord, what is it, God? What do you want from me? And lately we've been talking about presence and we've been talking about his feet. But I praise God in this moment of thanksgiving that I could be thankful for this one truth. That in whatever it is in life that surrounds me or that rises up against me, there is nothing in me that should be in fear anymore or that should worry anymore or that should be fake anymore. That I could just take a hold of what God has given me and say, I am thankful for my quilt on a day like today. How is it? that you've gotten through what you've gotten through. Let me tell you how. Because he's still the same and she's still the same and the kids are still a pain and my boss is still a headache and my coworker, my gosh, she's such a hypocrite. And let, hopefully you don't do that because you're just as bad. But in the midst of all of this stuff, let me tell you what it is about me that has changed. What has changed is, is what I'm wearing now. God has clothed me and he's put on a quilt on me that in whatever mountain rises up, whatever storm comes, I embrace the quilt because this is is what gets my soul going. This is what takes me forward. This is my quilt on the days that are cold. These are the days when I need them and, and, and she's not seeing me eye to eye. And, and, and I'm going to decide I'm not leaving home. I'm going to decide to stay and fight for this one. <laughs> you see, when my kid before, when, when instead I just wanted to walk away, well, not this one. I'm going to choose to have a conversation and love them. Instead, when I drive past that person or that co-worker that walks by me and when I see them, okay, hopefully they don't look this way. And you hide from that. Every single one of you has that person you hide from at work. And you just don't want to see them down the hallway. You just don't want to be fake in the conference room. You really don't want to see her because you don't want to have that awkward conversation. But that none of that phases you. What is it in you that's changed? Actually, nothing around me has changed at all. It's everything that is in me and upon me that has changed. God has put on a garment on me that now transforms the way I live and what surrounds me. It's a beautiful thing because Joseph went from a tunic of many colors to a tunic of God's grace. He went from a tunic of many colors to a tunic of God's warmth. He went from a tunic of favor from his father to a tunic of favor from his father in heaven. What the earthly could not satisfy, the heavenly satisfied. What his father, man, what his father could not give him because it fell short, there was one who sits on his throne that gave him and it always provided. My dad one time gave me a garment of many colors and my God did it get me in trouble. But ever since God gave me a tunic of warm quilt, man, all my troubles seem like nothing. My soul is at ease. My mind is at ease. My love is back. My grace is back. There's something different in the way I live, in the way I talk, in the way I move. And it's not because things around me has changed, but it's something within me that has changed. A warm quilt on a cold, on a cold day. 
a warm quilt. I mean, I'm just caressing this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm just loving this thing. And I'm just not going to take it for granted anymore. And I'm entering Thanksgiving, not just because it's November, but I'm entering, thanks, I'm, I'm entering Thanksgiving because it's a heart transformation. You see, because I've seen many people be thankful on Thursday coming up. But I've seen them turn back to hatred right around the corner on Monday again. That was a false thanksgiving. That was a religious, that was religiosity. That was nothing that was truthful. But when your Thursday pours forward onto your everyday and a year later you're still living in thanksgiving and you're still wearing that quilt. Oh, it wasn't you who brought me here. God brought me here. And he gave me a warm quilt to wear in the process of it. How many of you can say amen? amen. Hallelujah. I want to share, I want to share maybe two more passages and we're done. And uh, you know what, why don't you just stand with me, I guess, while we share these two passages. Hallelujah. share because I think if we're going to speak about being uncomfortable, we're going to speak about Job and, and Job chapter 19 verse 23 through 26. I want you to, to see this with me. He says this. He says, oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. That they were engraved on a rock with an iron pen and lead forever. Look what he says in verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know. That in my flesh I shall see God. Oh, that it would be written out. Oh, that they would write a book about this. That they would write it on the rocks. With pens forever. That I know today. I, I mean, we're talking about Job here. A man who lost everything. A man who lost all his children. A man who his own wife came up to him and says, curse your God and ready and die. A man who his three best friends were so religious that they couldn't even come down to his level and really pick him up. A man who lost all his riches, all his money, all his mansions. A man who began to receive boils all over his skin and rip off the clay from the field and make sharp objects with it and scrape his boils and all that stuff would pus, pus ridden and disgusting. You could imagine this is a man that always dressed well, smelled good. This is a man that had it all together, a man with a big family, a man with many riches. But now he comes to the place where everything has been lost. And at this point of his life, he says something so special. He says, man, that my life would be written. That all of this stuff would be said and spoken of. But because of what he, not, not because of anything of him, but because of what 25 says. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Yeah. 
And I know he shall stand at last on the earth. And if my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I'm going to see my God in the midst of all of this. The author of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says this. He says, therefore it was necessary for him, being Jesus, to be made in every respect just like us. It says here, his brothers and his sisters, as br- his brothers and his sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer up a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering, man, since he himself has gone through testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. I look at the life of Job. I look at what the author of Hebrews writes here about Jesus. I look at the life of Joseph. I look at Moses and we could go down from from person to person. And who am I kidding? Jesus came. And he experienced a life that was brutal. So that you and I could experience in that process within us a life that is beautiful we look at the life of Jesus according to Hebrews 2 and there's but one truth that we could say and here it is as I look at the words on that page Jesus knew what it was like to wear a warm quilt while even living in cold days I know I know this because there was a time when he was in the garden and he was crying and He was seeking the Father. And as he was seeking the Father, it says that out of his pores, blood started to come out. Scientifically, it's proven that you could be filled with so much anguish, so much pain internally, that you could start to sweat blood. I mean, Rob could probably describe the science behind that so much better than I can. But I know it happens. And Jesus was filled with so much pain in the garden. That blood is coming out of his pores. How did that look like? And in the midst of that prayer, he says, Father, you know, there's this massive cup of wrath that I'm about to drink. And my God, it's very painful and it's going to hurt me like crazy, man. And Father, man, is this thing going to really stink, man? It's going to be very brutal for me. They're going to mock me. I'm going to be naked in front of our creation. They're going to rip my beard off, man. They're going to rip up my back, chunks of my back missing. My organs are going to be hanging. Blood just pouring out of me. They're going to mock me and put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to nail my wrist and my ankles to a wooden cross. They're going to mock me and put a sign saying, Here, here, here is the king of the king of Jews. Here he is, the king of Israel. They're going to mock me and people are going to kick me when I'm on the floor and say, Come on, prophesy to us now. Who am I? Come on, prophet. Come on, son of God. And when I'm on the cross, they're going to say, if you are the son of God, call angels. God, I'm going to drink this cup for my people. But Lord, if it's possible, pass this cup from me. So I don't have to go through this. But then what he says next, he puts on his quilt. He says, Lord, nevertheless, let not my will be done. But Lord, let your will be done. And God, give him the grace. For that which is painful in his life. 
I want every single one of us here, as we get ready just to close off, if you could examine your life for a moment. If you could examine your heart there, right there where you're at. Right there where you're standing, if wherever, whichever you've, whatever you've experienced, whatever, whatever you're carrying, what you're feeling. I want you right there to just examine your heart and your soul. Examine your mind. And maybe today you're saying, I need that, Pastor, man. I need, I need a warm quilt to carry me through. Because I can relate to the life of Joseph. Maybe not exactly like his, but man, I can relate to pain and suffering and discomfort. But I need his presence. I need his comfort to fill me. So that in the midst of whatever rises up and surrounds me, I can continue to live in the comfort because of the presence that lives in me. Because of the God that dwells in me. And Lord, I want to just come before you and say, I am thankful in such a time that I have a quilt. That I have a presence that's in me. I have a God that lives in me that comforts me while things in my life are painful. And man, what a, what a time to say thank you for the warm quilt. Thank you even for the discomfort because because of that discomfort, I've been able to appreciate your comfort so much more. So this is what I want to do as we close off. If you need prayer today, and you know God is speaking to you right now. Don't even think about it. If you need God just to clothe you today with his quilt. And you need his presence inside of you to make you alive. And you need to just be filled with thanksgiving. Because there is this warm quilt that, that comforts you in the midst of your pain. In the midst of whatever it is that you are going through. And you just need this relaxation upon your soul and upon your mind. I need what you've been talking about, this rest. I need this vacation to last forever. I need this presence, this God in me that is going to comfort me to the core of my being. That I'll never be the same again. I need that. I'm going to invite you to come up here and I want to pray with you. And I want to believe with you that today God could dress you in his garments. With clothes of righteousness and comfort and, and grace to help you and ease you and to relax you in your pain, in your heartache, in your hurt, in your suffering. So as we sing a song, if you need God just to comfort you today, I want to pray that and believe that with you. I invite you to come up here. And if you want to get on your knees, if you want to just stand up here, feel free. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to believe that God is going to take you to that place today. Open up your heart. Open up your mind. Open up your soul. And say, God, thank you for such a time. I'm filled with thanksgiving with gratitude. Because you heard my cry. Because you saw my pain. You saw my fear. And all I've been praying for is comfort. And today you gave me this word. I thank you in this time. And I want to live in this gratitude. And I want to put on this quilt. That it would transform me forever. Not necessarily changing the things around me, but changing everything inside of me. I received that from my life today. In Jesus' name.
If you need prayer, come. We're going to sing a song. And, and the front is open for anyone that needs prayer today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.